This this song to tell me who this artist is. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, Kwabena Mafia is a legend. He doesn't even know how much of a legend he is, right? But big tune. I, I remember when this first came out. This was the first track that I said a Canadian Ganyan artist finally made the sound, like right. the sound that, it, that that captured everything. That marries that the culture. Oh, I'm incredible? telling you. Yeah, it's got a perfect hip hop vibe. It's got uh, a perfect high life vibe. Oh yeah, the, the high life voice, yes. like the voice that he has, and the way he carries it, like it's it's everything. I mean, big time record producer, writer, musician, uh, entrepreneur. It's a bit of a big deal. But <laughs> he is. He, he needs. He, he needs to come back. He needs to come back. Coming mafia needs to make. You know, uh, an album for you know for his for his fans and his Please. silent fans like myself. You left us waiting too long, Mafia. <laughs> Wherever you are, you hear me. You got to come back. My Listen, friend. fun fact: Mafia and I actually used to work together. Oh. Um, and we used to work, you know, summer summer jobs in a factory. And we were sitting in a trailer one time, and he was telling me, you know, he wanted to do music. I was like, bro, I love music. We should form a group. <laughs> <laughs> so Mafia and I were actually gonna be a group, oh. but yeah, so, but so you know, academia got in the way. Oh, it could have been Mafia and the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, academics got in the way, school got in the way. I just, I just never had time. You know, and oh. that, yeah, it was more of a passion for him. It was a passion for me too, but the time he, to create just wasn't there. So, so I guess his, his next album, Mafia. Here, here's the thing. Salome is ready now. He, yes, academics yes. are out of the way. Yes, He's, school's over. Give school's me a call. over. Give him a call. <laughs> we'll, we'll throw him in the studio and lock the door. He's ready now. <laughs> he also taught me to drive. That's another fun fact. He was the first person to teach me to drive. Uh, Jaden Finch. <laughs> so, so, so Covenant Mafia is, is a whole legend out in these streets. Yes. <laughs> He's a very good guy. Big heart. Uh, big ups to Covenant Mafia. All right, so what is our phrase of the week? Phrase of the week, phrase of the week. Okay, so um, the phrase is Obinim Adichiemunsam, which is to say, nobody knows tomorrow. All right, all right. Obinim Adichiemunsam. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. No, that's that's, 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 that's interesting, you know, phrase. And it kind of hints to what I, I, I have a an inkling of where this is going, but it'll be fun to see how that ties in with our later discussion. Uh, once again, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Salome Kwame Redu. Some call me Sal. And my name is Sam Akwasibwating, some call me Sam. And uh, welcome to our podcast, Doctor. Or an embarrassment where we profile the life of the immigrant child in the diaspora. So this is essentially the immigrant's guide to disappointing your parents. And and, in this um, episode, we're going to be examining parental pressures on academic success. So we touched a little bit up on this in the career, but we're going to delve a little bit deeper in terms of, you know, what were some of the challenges and impacts and the pressures our society puts on our academic success and, and us as students and young people growing up. Yeah. So the title here is what happened to the other 5%. Oh, Kwame, Kwame <laughs> got 95 and then they looked at his face and said, oh, Kwame, why idea? But the other 5%, where did it go? I, I think <laughs> if you're an African child, you've heard this at some point in your life. You know, just that big smile on your face. You bring your, your grade in. Oh, man. Only to turn it upside down because apparently you're missing something. <laughs> I, I remember my, my dad used to do that to me so much for math, right? Because my, my dad is a math 
Right. He's a math teacher, so math is his thing. Why, well, I, you know, I mean, calculus. I just got an eighty. You look at you like, oh, what? You missed this and this and this. Ah, come on. If you, if you, if you had, if you had just wrote out the rest of it, ah, kaubinya ninety, hundred, eighty, zia, nyeshe. Why eighty is nothing? So, Must have been derivatives. Oh, I'm telling you, I was so bad. Like I pulled off an eighty, dad. Listen, eighty in the Canadian school is actually pretty good. It's not not bad at all. That's because, you know, different standards. I'm telling you. So in terms of, you know, growing up, right, how how important was school in your home? Um, I don't think there was anything more important than school. I I mean, for Mm. us, uh, for a child growing up in an African home, you know, your education is everything. It's your future. So much so that concept of dropping out of school is it is it's the stuff of madness really it, 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 nobody ever thinks of it it's just not a thing unless you really don't have the money to continue in school it's probably the only excuse you have to not go to school is you can't afford school fees that's mm. it in a Ghanaian in a Ghanaian home or in a Ghanaian community yeah no absolutely for you? oh I, I think it, it, almost the same I think Church and, and school. So it was like church and state. Equal. Yes. Equal balance, right? <laughs> you, you can sometimes miss some church stuff for school and yes. sometimes get away with doing school stuff if you are doing something for church. Right. That, was right, the only, right. that was the only excuse. But everything else, school was number one. And I think one thing that I noticed early on was my parents always had a plan of you're going to go do well in high school. You're going to get into a university. And you're going to either do your master's or get a very, very good professional job. Right. Nothing less. Right. So school, there was no question of, you know, dad, I'm done high school and I have this business idea. I don't need to go to school. I'm going to, you know, no, no. You go to school. If you want to run your business, you go to school and you learn while you do your business. Yes. Um, So school is, yeah, school is super important in, in our home. Um, and and I, I imagine everybody's home. And I think it's a good thing um, because it it helped us, you know, stay engaged in school, right? You know that you couldn't do bad in school because of how important it was to your parents. Like, I remember, like, I could get away with so much playing outside and doing whatever, but my report cards had to be at a certain level. Yeah. And they had to be checked all the time, yeah. right? So that always made in the back of my mind that no matter what I was doing, whatever fooling, that 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 had to to get in check. This is unrelated, but how how did um, academia factor into like your overall self esteem and, and the the feeling of self worth? I know I know it's a complete curveball, but I, I when I was younger. Uh, because I did well initially in school, people mm-hmm. always say, oh, no, you know, you know, in Ghana at school, they rank yeah. you. And I used to rank like I was always first or second, first, second. Yeah. Um, so people respect you when you do that. So, they, you know, you're elevated. You're put on a pedestal in a sense. So that fact for me, I came to validate myself. With, with academia, academic, right? <laughs> <laughs> with academic success. That's how I saw myself. How did yeah. it factor for you? Yeah, I think for me it was a bit different because, and, and luckily I got out of the Ghana system early, right? I didn't have to go through the rankings and all that. So here, I always knew that I was I was smart, but it didn't always reflect in my grades. Right. Um, but the good thing, and I guess cursing and, and blessing was that I'm a really good talker, right? So I can, I can BS about any topic, you name it. <laughs> uh, you think, oh... He understands that, right? So, but no, but not about doctor or embarrassment. Not that, no. This no, 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 no. This, this is real stuff. This, this is this no is BS. Stuff. No BS. No BS. No cap. I've, no cap. I, 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 I've changed my life, massacre. No more BSing. But so what? What I always knew is that I can always engage in a conversation about something. So even if I wasn't doing well in a particular subject, and my dad would bring it up, or my mom would bring it up. I could talk enough about the subject that I was comfortable enough to say, I know it, I'm just not interested, and that's why my marks are not reflecting. So I would kind of deflect away from, you know, the self-esteem issues on that, and I found other things to, 
I was I was able to do enough to just pass, right? And not necessarily just pass at, oh, he gets 50%, but I would do enough that, okay, I'm decent. getting 70, I'm doing decent, right. and I'm good. Nobody can say I'm stupid. So I think the self-esteem was tied in there, but for me, it wasn't about being the best in the class. It was about being in the middle, so I had no eyes on me. I'm not too low that everybody's going to look at me, and I'm not too high that everybody's going to look at me as an overachiever. Just, just right. enough. Okay, even keel. So in terms of, you know, when you got the 80% and your dad's focus was on the 20%, mm. how did that make you feel? Like, how, how was it? Oh, I, I was, was for, like? for me, it was like, it was, it was a good, for me, it was like, see, he'll never be pleased. So why am I even right. trying to get that 80? Let me just do enough. Because like, in my mind, for me, here is my thought process going through school. At every stage, I'm going to do just enough to get into what I need to get into to satisfy my parents and their ambition, right? So for middle school, I'm going to make sure that I, I, I do the minimum B so that if I get into high school, they'll let me take the academic level courses right, to get into right, university. Right. Yes, yes. So I did that. And when I get into the academics, my first thing that I did was I started looking at the university um, requirements. requirements. Yes. Oh, I just need a 70? Oh, I just need a 75? <laughs> That's easy. So every year, 70, 75, 70, 75. That was it. And when I got to university, it was almost the same thing until I think my fourth year in university, my third year in university is when I was like, I want to do a, a master's. And most of the masters saying they need an A and other extracurriculars. Let me try for it. And right. I, I bumped it up a little and I was able to get it. And I think during my master's was the first time that I actually felt confident that I wasn't just doing the bare minimum because I wasn't thinking about doing a PhD. Right. I was just saying, okay, I'm going to be done and working, but let me see what I can. And I was just getting really good marks throughout all of it. Right. So, so I've you're, just you're, you're a lazy genius is what you're saying. I'm, I'm not a genius. I'm, You're a lazy genius who, who just, <laughs> everyone studies, studies, studies. You just study barely enough. I know how to, to play the, the game. I, right. I think what, what, and I think what a lot of students have to realize is that, you know, academics is a game, right? So for me, I looked at things that, okay, what am I good at? I'm not good at science because I realized that science, you have homework every single day. Like in high yeah. school, I looked at all the science classes I took. Yeah. Every single day I had homework. Yes, in you know my politics class and my business classes, you know I have a week to do a project. So even if I go home and I fill it all out, the rest of my week I'm chilling. Yes. So I, I realize my work ethic and what I like to do. I can't be on deadlines every single day. So I figured out the game and and started playing that game. Okay. I'm not a genius. That's... I just know what game to play. I you know a. It, it... It kills you, kills your self-esteem when you're so excited, to, especially to tell your parents <laughs> something. It's like, it's like you holding up something. Daddy, look, look. Daddy, look, look. Like you, you know, as a child, you're so yeah. excited. Daddy, look, look. And daddy looks, just glance for a second and gets back to whatever daddy was doing. You know, as a child, <laughs> you're crushed. Like, this, this means the world to me. You know, oh. I'm asking for your attention. I'm asking for your approval. And all I get is a glance. Oh, I, I find myself it's, it's catching myself. I find myself catching myself now with my kids where they'll bring me, like, especially my youngest now. He's, he's two. Yes. And he'll scribble on a piece of paper. Daddy, 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 daddy. And I look and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> but then I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me encourage this. Good job. Good job. Good job. So, <laughs> so I feel you on that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no different. It's no different than you coming in with an 80, proud of yourself because you know you put in work. And then all that is seen is the 20. So, so let, let's rewind a little bit in terms of kind of, you know, coach, your, especially your transition from the Ghanaian school system into yes. Canadian school system, right? So yes. how, what was your first like encounter with the you know, Canadian school system and, and what did you feel coming from Ghana being a celebrated, Kwame is going to be a doctor, Kwame is going to be a doctor, he's ranked number yeah, one, yes. to being thrown right. into this new system. How did, how did you adapt and, and what did you feel? This was, this was a difficult system to transition into. Mm. Um, the two main things that, I'll touch on and ESL classes. Oh. It was it was very painful because <laughs> I, I'm very good with language, very good with language. So writing English was a piece of cake. Like we were writing 
high school level essays at you know in grade five and six in Ghana. Mm. So you know writing on certain topics, I could write for days, right? So I remember my first, I had to write about I think about my future aspirations and what I wanted to do when the teacher ESL teacher gave me. So I wrote it, and I never forget this. Miss Wadden was her name. She she took the paper around to every single teacher in the school, basically showing them like, look what this kid just wrote. <laughs> At the time I was in grade, this is grade eight. Oh wow! She's like, look what he just wrote. Like this is ridiculous. He's not. He doesn't belong in ESL. Like the only thing I was was obviously you know verbally. I I I still had an accent. I I still mm-hmm. wasn't communicating in the English language as well. I wasn't that proficient, but. I mean, the written language I could kill. You were, oh, that's so, so. And every kid coming out of Ghana is like that. That's the thing. Well, I guess me and you are different. Like we're reversed, actually. Because, but I came here. You came early. I was in grade one, right? Yeah. So, grade one. What can you write, right? right Nobody can right, write. Right. What can you write at grade one, right? But yeah, I was. I'm always. I'm very. And as I said, I love to talk, right? So, within like the first like two months of that, I didn't have an accent anymore, right? Right. I could pick up. I killed mine in six months. (laughs) Mine was, I think mine was pretty much never there. Like it's, it's, as soon as I landed, it was gone. (laughs) The brothel rolled off your tongue. (laughs) Oh, oh, the brothel right there. Like it's just like, like everybody. But that in itself created an issue for me, right? And a dynamic in my mind because I could hear myself speak and I speak well. So why do I need to be an ESL? Right. I speak better than half the kids in this class, in this grade one and grade two class. Why do I have to be an ESL? But I couldn't write, right? But then I also looked no. at it as who else in our class can write? Could. No, right. Nobody else can write. So why am I being forced to be an ESL? Um, so my ESL journey was really an interesting one in grade two. So after grade one, I was like, okay, um, I came here at the end of grade one. So it was like the last four months of grade one. So in grade two, we started. And when we started, um, the ESL teacher came in for the first day and was like, oh, these students will be coming with me. And my name was called and I was so... You were livid. Oh, oh. I was I'd spent all summer just making sure that my... my perfecting your accent. Perfecting my accent. Wara, wara. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, everybody thought I was born here. That, that's, how, that's how well I could speak after just you know, right. four months. So I was, I was livid. I, I was not having it. So for the yeah, next three that. weeks... I spent my first ever cutting class in grade two. Wow. Miss, can I use the washroom? As soon as ESL class is about to start, and then I go to the washroom and I, and I stay in the washroom for the whole entire class. So I think it took three weeks, and she finally got upset. So she called me um, after we were going to recess, and, before, and the ESL teacher called me to the side and said, listen, if you don't want to be in this class anymore, you don't have to be in this class. Just say you don't want to be. I was like, it's that easy. I don't want to be. <laughs> and for me, it was the stigma of ESL because yeah, in yeah. my class, I, it was just a bunch of Indian kids um, yeah. from Indian, um, you know, Indian background that were in the ESL class. So all the other black kids, um, all the other African Jamaican kids were not going to ESL. Right. So I was like, I don't want to stay. I'm not different. I, you know, everybody, I want to be with the rest of the kids. So I didn't want that. I can see that. I mean, as a kid trying to assimilate into a culture, the last thing you need is something that makes you feel like other. You know, yeah. something that makes you stand out. You, you don't want to stand out. You want to be like everybody else. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I can speak English. I can speak well. I can read. Why do I need to be in this other class? But it was yeah. funny because later on, I think like three months down the line, all the other, you know, kids that I was hanging out with at that time that weren't in ESL, they were trying to go to the ESL class because it was fun. Like it was, like, okay. it, was it was a good was change easier. of pace. Like it wasn't that they didn't want to be in the class, but they wanted to partake in the activities that were going on in, oh, in the ESL okay, class. Because it, it was like, a, it was fun. It was like a change of pace. And I was just like so annoyed. I'm like, why do you guys want to be a part of that? This is, you know, this is a stupid class. It's for stupid people. I don't want to be part of this. <laughs> so this was like my experience with ESL was just like, I dreaded that. And I, and I didn't yeah. want that stigma. Right. Um but I think I also didn't take full advantage of that um, that aspect of assimilating better in terms of better my better writing, right? And and right. 
you know, taking that time because you're going to have somebody sitting with you one-on-one to actually work on your writing. Right. And the challenge too is, you know, we're learning, we're we're speaking tree at home. Mm -hmm. Right. So the words that you learn at home are, are, are in tree. And then you're supposed to come to school and express yourself in English and learn in English. Right. So that's a dynamic that we're in that you have to be in a bilingual mindset. Mm-hmm. And how did you cope with like kind of being in that bilingual mindset of, you know, this word in tree, you've learned this, you speak about it tree, but how do you express yourself in school? Yeah, that's, that's, I'll, t- I'll touch on that. But on the subject of having to kind of basically move yourself out of ESL, I remember I had to stay for science classes and, and math and English and everything else. Mm-hmm. What, was, what would happen was there was one kid in our class who had been in ESL, I don't know, for like three years before. He just had no intention of ever leaving ESL. So <laughs> whenever we had like science class, they say, oh, ESL students go. And then I, he would get up and then I would get up and follow him because I was like, oh, he's going to ESL. I'm going to ESL. And I kept doing that. And I was like, one day they're they going to teach science. They're like, okay, it's time for science. ESL students go. I was like, but I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I, I want to learn science. I want to learn math. But it, it baffles me that at mm. no point did they care to meet with my parents about the other subject the only thing Mm. i was lacking was was the english language i wasn't lacking in understanding of science or writing um or math but you know Mm. every other course is like they would send you to esl they didn't look at any other aspect of it it's it's more than just english so so were you doing like science esl during that time or just just strictly they would just basically just send you to esl and then you wouldn't you you weren't doing science esl we just go do activities in esl and learn English more. So, so then, uh, what there was, was no what, plan for me. There was no plan tailored for me mm, to assimilate into science classes, other classes. It was just like you just thrown out there. Wow. Just so, figure it out for yourself. So, so then, I guess what was supposed to happen if you continued going to ESL? I have no idea. <laughs> you would have. That's, just... that's what I feared. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> Damn it! I finished first. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. You know, I mean, the other kid that used to just go to ESL, he had no aspirations. He had no intentions of like. He had no intention of doing anything with his life. You know, mm. he just wanted to. Yeah, it was, it was, a, fun, it was a fun time. It was fun doing yeah. some activities. Yeah, Don't him. have to worry about tests. He was okay with that. But to me, I was like, what is this? It's a waste of my time. Like, did you see the teacher show my paper to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a learning. I know English. You know, and the, 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 the sad thing is when you speak with an accent, they assume that somehow you you're inferior or less intelligent. And it has nothing to do with being intelligent, but, but the language you speak. But I guess, do you think that that's our fault? Like, and when I say our fault, I, our our culture and our society, right? Because we put English on such a high pedestal. Yeah. Yes. Because even yes. if you're you're hanging out with your Ghanaian friends, and, and yeah, and somebody says, you know, an English word wrong, you said it wrong. Yeah. yeah oh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big that's deal. That's the joke for the week. Somebody you writes. Wrong, you say something. Oh. <laughs> Somebody writes it's something. It's making it to YouTube. Somebody yeah. writes something wrong in English. It becomes yeah. the joke of the moment, right? And I think yeah. Ghanians, we we hold English so high and so esteemed. In such high esteem, yes. And we, we don't our own languages. Like if you, I mean, I, I'm kind of getting off topic, but there was a case where um, this gentleman put a, a video on YouTube. I call him gentleman. I really don't think he's a gentleman. <laughs> he was um, buying something uh, by the road. He was just driving. You know how people sell. Yeah things on a roadside and there were people selling grass cutters uh and he pulled over and he said you know i'd like to buy this how much is this and you know clearly this is a village in the middle of nowhere the guy doesn't speak english and so the guy is like um you know i I, um basically running his hand through his head he doesn't know what this guy's saying and then you know the guy just continued to berate him until Basically, the guy just like got embarrassed, really embarrassed. Yeah. And then he posted the, the the video on YouTube to say, "Look how illiterate our people are. You know, we're not teaching English. You know, people in the villages are not learning English, and blah blah blah." To to basically elevate himself on on a pedestal, which I was livid when I saw the video. I was so angry because the the degree to which we equate the ability to speak English with intelligence is oh, absurd. I- Oh, absolutely. Because I, I remember when I was young, like everybody just assumed that I was smart because I could speak really well. Right. Right. So the assumption was, 
Oh, we don't have to worry about Kwesi. He's right, right. Oh, he's doing well in school. Oh, what's in the graph? Oh, what's a graph? Oh, Kwesi, oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So, like, there was no, like... I mean, you were smart, but it had nothing to do with the English. It had nothing to do with my English. Like, I... Yeah. I... It had nothing to do with my English, right? But we equated so much, and you'll see these videos on YouTube all the time where we'll have people asking people questions, you know, and clowning them because they can't pronounce a certain word. And that's the joke of the year. Yeah. Um, but the reverse is never the same, right? We, we never clown people for not being able to speak Chi. Like, no. you know, one of our, our, our biggest, and this is off topic, but this is one of my biggest pet peeves, is Asantifo saying Ashanti, yeah. I'm Ashanti. <laughs> I'm Ashanti. Our, our, the right. region is called the Ashanti region. What is Ashanti? Yeah. It is the British inability to pronounce yes. Asante. Right, right. But we, but we didn't mock them for it. But we don't mock them for it. We, <laughs> we went to the extent of not even mocking them. Naming we the entire, our region, whole entire, our entire region, region. And the name of our whole tribe. Region to, them. <laughs> to, to make <laughs> them happy. <laughs> and, and, and the same people. And now that the British are even gone, we still... We still I, do it, yeah. Oh, I'm Ashanti. I, I'm an Ashanti. Yeah. I'm an Ashanti. It is Asante, and like it, it, it makes my blood boil because those same people will be the same people that get upset at somebody for not being able to pronounce an English word. Yeah. But our own language, we devalue it, and yes. then we we kind of are surprised when our culture, our economy, everything is devalued because we don't value right. ourselves. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, in 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 that respect, the the, the Spanish people, Spain. This is people from Spain. Mm-hmm. When, when they're saying a C, they roll it. Mm-hmm. They say it with a lisp. So if you instead of Barcelona, they'll say Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And it's because there was a king who spoke with a lisp. And instead of everyone saying it properly, they changed. They developed a lisp, literally, <laughs> okay. so the king wouldn't feel bad about himself. Oh, man. That is... That is how Spanish people ruined their ability to say C. <laughs> <laughs> but until today, they cannot say C. And that's exactly what we did. We, we took a whole culture and we, we immersed ourselves in it and completely threw ours away. So much. So, so, so this is going to be a side note. Wherever this goes, um, hopefully it goes to Mencia and, and uh, yes. Tumfo is listening with yes, all due respect. Please. I come Tumfo, before you as a child, as, as, yes. as, as an Asante born and bred, to tell you yes. that, please, can you put a directive that anybody, we should stop using the Ashanti. And even the region that we appeal to the government to change it. It is the Asante region. Yes, yes. It is the Asante people. Yes. Any Ashanti is just you're 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 basically equating the British inability to pronounce your identity as being the proper way to pronounce it. And it just yeah. hurts me. And especially when we do it ourselves. It's you know, it's painful. But now back to the to, to, to the bilingual issue. It's tough. You know, especially when you first come into a country, mm-hmm. again, you start to, we put English on such a pedestal, you, you start to basically validate yourself with the ability to speak English. Yeah. So, you know, at home, I was lucky enough that my parents, you know, always spoke Chi to me. Um, I mean, what else are they going to speak? Um, but there are some Ghanaian parents who speak English to their kids at home. But for me, it helped, you know, in a way to kind of keep me grounded when I came home. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to school, to put on my school hat sort of thing. So I, it was like a, a simultaneous dichotomy of worlds that, you know, I was living. Yeah. I think so I th- it was interesting. I think for me, I had, I had the two identities, right? You had the home, you know, tree life. Like my mom yeah. never spoke a word of English to me. She, till this day, she refuses to speak English. So I'm in into Simple as that. She doesn't understand English. Why is she going to speak English? Um, my dad, he speaks English to me uh, that's a different topic on its own. But like, <laughs> my mom made sure with all of he's a scholar. Of, oh, he's a scholar. Oh, I got you. So my mom always made it a point to never speak, you know, English. English, yes. But the challenge was that for me, I always felt that tree was an embarrassment. So I didn't even want to speak tree in public for the longest time. Like, I mean... At school, it was, oh, you know, can you say some words in Cree? Can you say some words in Ghanaian for us? And I would just like, that would be like the cringiest yeah. moment. I would I'd yeah, feel so much yeah. shame and like, I don't want right. to say it because right. you're always, you know, 
equated that English is the highest standard of yes. communication and, and this, this and that, right? So yeah. that was that was the biggest challenge for me. Um, and and but also I thank my mom a lot because although I didn't want even if I spoke to her in English, I'd come and ask her a question, she yeah. would respond back she in English. And tree. And tree. Yes. She was yeah. answering back in tree, answering back in tree. And that helped me maintain because I came here when I was six, about to be seven, right? And I still understand tree. I can still speak, you know, from time to time. Uh-huh. I know some people say I speak tree with an accent, but it's okay. <laughs> I try. You know, it's, that's that's the most important thing because when you when you when you're a child and and you know you start learning another English and that becomes your predominant mm. language, it's difficult to maintain you know the chi because you your only environment really where you had co- uh, co- consistent stimulation with chi was home. Yeah, and that was it. Which means that the you know the bulk of the day you were exposed to English. Yeah, so it's it's a tricky time when your brain makes that transition, but. You know, it, it, that's why you develop an accent. The same way we should not mock people when they speak English with, with a with a, an accent. We shouldn't do the same when they speak Chi with an accent. I mean, you know, Ghanaians might laugh at you a little bit. You know, yeah. in circles of <laughs> of uh, predominantly Ghanaian people, if you say something wrong. But you know, it's the effort. Yeah, and you appreciate it. The the, the brain is tricky. No, it's true. And, and I, I found that like with other kids that we were growing up with, like, you know, kids, you know, from India, and especially, you know, my, my friends that were Punjabi and, yes. you know, my, my Chinese friends, they had Mandarin classes on Saturdays, they had Punjabi yes, classes yes. on Saturdays. Yes. We, what did we have? Right? If, yeah, we, we had mom and dad, brothers, sisters. That was it. So it, we didn't have any classes. So that so it's so it's so tough. So for me, like I love languages, and I love like, you know, for me, if you, if you want to touch my heart, say something with meaning in tree to me, because the root word of it, like when I when I study it and I look at you know the root word of it, it touches me more because I feel like it's touching my soul because I know the yeah. intricacies of the language, right? Yes. But the tough and, thing and is, yeah, if you don't learn that, you know, language, you know professionally or like academically you lose a lot of that nuance yeah i you know i'm finding that i'm trying to learn spanish i don't know why don't ask me <laughs> actually mostly mostly because a lot of spanish people in new york mm. and sometimes people only communicate in spanish so you know one or two words here helps when you're taking care of a patient so and i get exactly what you're saying like i'm learning the language i can say phrases but to have the the deep meaning behind it you really have to be yeah taught the language in a womb yeah like you have to be you know immersed it's like in your it. brain has to get certain neurons yeah and because only that it's, it's that true because, understand. There, because there's certain jokes in you know in tree that like you'll hear it and it like it's so funny to you yeah yeah you, you can't try to translate that translate. to somebody it just like it. in the middle you're like oh, okay it's not that funny it's okay let me no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> certain words don't have Real English meaning, like you could try, I can get close, but you're, you're the feeling not. and the understanding and the depth of it, you can only get it in the, in the language. Yeah, so so I think like, and our parents did the best they could, right? We speak tree yes. at home, and you know, for some of our parents, it was tough because they were also trying to learn English, English, right, 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 right. for their jobs and their career advancement, yeah. and they didn't yeah. have any schools that they could go to. So my child is my school. Yeah, they had some night classes. I think some of them went to. Oh, my, my but mom, if you, my came, if you went to work for, for eight hours, ten hours, and came, yeah. who had time to go to night classes? Oh, my, my, I, my mom I tried. My mom, mom tried. My mom tried. I think it lasted for like yeah. a month, and she just she just got upset. And it, I think it was mainly like us laughing at her. Oh, her asking us questions, and it was funny because she would get so mad. And when you're trying to teach her, right, that's your time to assert that. Oh, mom, see, I know something you don't know. <laughs> and she is not having it. She loses that authority. Oh, she loses that authority. And, and the way I am, I, I remember all the things that like I've done or that I'm about to get in trouble for, and I'm trying to bargain. I'll help you with yeah. this if. <laughs> So she was not having it at all. I think recently, you know, a part of of us discussing, you know, the value we place on our own languages, we we don't have classes because we didn't demand it. Recently, we've demanded it, and they've started actually having P classes in Toronto now uh, on Saturdays in certain areas because 
you know, we've demanded it. And all of a sudden you realize Africans are people too. Africans also need to learn certain things. If you look at, you know, our, our Chinese and Indian friends, you know, they, they, most of their parents don't speak a word of English at home. Yep. Ghanaians are more, more likely to be speaking English to their children at home than, than other cultures. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the value you place on it matters. But, but I think that that also ties into academic success, right? Because if I'm a child and I'm at home, right, and I have a chemistry problem that I don't understand at school, and I'm at home and I can explain that in the language that my parents understand. Yeah. My parents are more likely to understand some of the concepts that they've learned right. in their language that they understand and teach right. that back to me. Right? right. But we try to take the English and try to go home and say, Mom, you know, this theory says this, this, and ah, theory, but I'll, theory is in a day. But I think that that's one thing that as a society, we, we can help our academic success by making sure that the, the, the language that that child is familiar with, and especially if they're coming from Ghana to assimilate yeah. into this culture, is that language that we try to teach them. Some first of all, we need, we need to get rid of English as, as the national language. That's, no, that's the first step. That, that we is, need to kill English. That, that is another national language. That is a, Look, Rwanda's done it. Um, we can do it. We don't, we don't need a foreign language to be our national language. Bro, I'm, I'm with you, but it'll never happen. And, and the reason why is because of us as a people. Yeah. We're all too proud. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. me as an Asante man, I will say, why should I speak Ga? Ha, why? Why should I speak Ga? I'm an Asante man. I should no. speak Ga. Yeah, it's true. But it, it, which, which, is, which is easier? Having a, a local language that we can all buy into and learn from or having a foreign language. I, I agree with you. And I, and I think we don't have any visionaries, right? So I, I was reading something on Italy, right? The country of yes. Italy. And the Italian language and, yeah. and the modern Italian language was literally developed less than 100 years ago. Wow. Um, and it was basically the government saying everybody in the Italian peninsula is going to learn one standard language. You all have your different dialects from where you're from, but we're going to create a centralized, you know, language that fits in all your dialects here and there. But here's a central theme and we're, everybody's going to learn it. I don't care if you're from Florence and you think that speaking, you know, Florentine Latin is better than this Italian language we're creating. Boohoo. You're going to learn. And now it's gone international where people like me are watching shows in Italian or learning right, it right, right, so right. I can watch soccer, right? So right. it's, it's going to take some, a visionary in Ghana to say, you know what, this is what we're doing. You know, it, it might create, so it might step on some toes. Um, naturally, you know, at least, you know, most, more than 50% of Ghanaians are Akan. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sound yeah. bad and it's, it's very Akan-centric because I'm an Akan, right? To say that, let's find... It's, it's 60%. Right, so it's more than fifty. So it's it, it, and and listen, eighty-five percent of Ghanaians speak Chi, or understand it. Yeah, twenty percent of Ghanaians will speak English fluently and understand it. <laughs> I, I'm not even exaggerating. Seriously, this is a language most of us don't. If you're not a scholar, it's not a language you speak. It's true, but you can survive in Ghana by by speaking a variant of of an Indian kind of language. Yeah, and most people are, are okay with it. Yeah, but of course, you know there are a lot of sensibilities that surround language yeah. and you know our history and the tribalism and the, you yeah. know th there's a lot of it that we essentially just need to kill and be pragmatic and practical. Yeah, because, you know, because we, we could go a, a long way. And, and for me, anyways, and this is where I've developed something. I think that, you know, West Africa should come together and say, we're going to make Hausa the, the, the national language of all of West Africa. Or the whole sub-Saharan Africa, Swahili. If you think about it, like... If, if you look at West Africa alone, right, the populations, Hausa is spoken in pretty much every yeah. country. Yeah, Hausa is everywhere, yeah. Some some form, some dialect. If we were to standardize it, teach it in yeah. schools the way we teach English and French. Right. We could now dictate, you know, that somebody in, in London has to learn Hausa in order to do business with a West African yeah. country. Now, what you've also done is you've created jobs for yourselves because they're going to have to either come here to learn Hausa or bring you over there to teach people Hausa, right? right. So I think we, we need to be that visionary and, and kind of get 
out of the, out of that way. And 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 I think I think Nkrumah had that vision. He did. I think but, I think he wanted Swahili, if I'm not mistaken. I think he wanted a whole sub-Saharan Africa to to speak Swahili. I think that was his idea, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Which I I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not opposed to learning a new language, but I, I know as we speak, there are a lot of people who are sitting home thinking, how <laughs> practical is this? But at some point, you're you're right, you're gonna need a visionary. We're gonna have to start from somewhere. Yeah, because even if you if you look at Kenya, um, like did you know that Swahili is not native to Kenya? Like I didn't know that. No, like it, it blew my mind. It, it blew my mind when I found wow. out. Like it's not native to Kenya. Like it was taken from Tanzania, and because of the trading in Eastern Africa, became the lingo franca. Mm. So, and they wow. didn't look at it as a shame to take another person's language, right, right, right. their official, yeah, you know, language in their country. And I think that's where we need to start looking at. As yeah, a people, we're, right? we're gonna have to kill our pride in a way. We are. But back to back to back to the academics, which is what this is really about. I think we, mm-hmm. we've kind of touched on the you know the ninety five and the five percent. Um, what do you think is considered academic success in our community? Oh, if you, if you don't have an A, um, and and an A is very like I want to see the A. I don't right. tell me eighty five. Okay, eighty five out of what? what? What does that mean? But I want <laughs> if I see the A, right? I'm okay. There's no percentage that I'm saying. Oh, you miss. You know, A, okay, maybe A plus, but A, I, I see the A, you're okay. I think we look at things in terms of every subject, and it's not, Kwame, you're good at science and math. So if you get A's in science and math, we're very happy. If you get uh, a C or a B in geography, we'll tolerate it because that's not your strong suit or your interest. Right. But we look at it as everything needs to be an A. Uh, that That's true, but you know, I, I learned this trick where if you would tell your parents a letter instead of a number, you could get away with something. Because as you said, if you say 85 <laughs> or 95, they're still going to ask you what the, they, they know math. So they're going to do the math anyway. <laughs> so if you say 85, where's the 15? If you say 95, where's the five? So I just learned to say letters. I got an mm, A. I got an A. I barely got an 80, but I got an A. <laughs> <laughs> and so did somebody who got 89. So there's no difference. Right, <laughs> and and if you got a B, I got a B. No. They don't know a B. A B is seventy. That's, that's a, I didn't that's, even add the minus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good trick. But on that, like right? when you brought your report card home, right? Who were you yes. often like compared with? Like, were you compared mm. with somebody like you, one of your brothers, or were you compared with somebody in the community? I was often the person that people used to compare. Oh, Kwame was the guy I hated. And it's, and it's annoying. Oh. Um, and I was, a, I was compared with my classmates. Who, who, who got, who else got, <laughs> who got higher than you in your class? <laughs> so I got that. And then within the community, they'll be like, oh, well, this guy, is, he's going to university. What are you oh. doing? And it's kind of annoying in a way. Because, you know, you don't know somebody's story. You don't know their passions. You don't, you don't fully know anything to compare someone you know, to them. So yeah. it was annoying getting people compared to me as it was getting me compared to my classmates who had done better than I did. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, how did you, how did, oh. you, how did it work for you? For, for me, it was, it was my oldest brother. Oh, till this day. Ah, Kofi was the golden child. Was he a nerd? <laughs> he was, but the thing is, he was a nerd, but he was like a top athlete. Like he even, like oh. he played, he, he even played, you know, professionally soccer and every like he was wow. he was the like he was the first like when we first moved here um his whole team like the brampton soccer team and he was was all portuguese and like italians first black kid ganyan kid to make that team even got to like at 15 play and try out for the canadian under 17 team like i mean wow he was top athlete but overachiever <laughs> but school he was the gold standard at home Ah, Kofi, wow. Kofi ball, ball, but he's still getting A's at this point. Oh, <laughs> oh no. But he was also very competitive. And that's one thing that like I liked about him and I learned from him was that his drive was like he was never like there was never a time where we were at home and like we're doing something and it didn't turn into a competition because 
Everything was a competition <laughs> to him. So yeah. he was a high achiever, right? So I was always compared to him. So I always used to tell, I always used to tease my dad and be like, "Dad, you know, I'm I'm smarter than all your kids. I just don't want to show it right now." That was my <laughs> that was my line. I'm smarter than all your kids. I just don't want to show it right now. So the first day that I was able to actually show it was when I when I graduated from my master's program. I was the first yes. person in my family to finish my master's. Said, so, "See nice. that." I'm smarter than all your kids. I just didn't want to show it. <laughs> you finally get it now. <laughs> I was always compared to him, um, but it it was although it had some negative impacts. Where like I'm like, you know, why we're so different? Like he was a science person, right? And science came, science and math came easy to him. Yeah. Where I'm, you know, you know politics you know you're you're a social commentator a social commentator <laughs> it's easy to me like if you told me you know how many you know who led the 1967 coup in nigeria i can tell you i can tell you how it was right right but if you yes. ask me how many molecules are in this thing i look at you and say what is a molecule? What's the point <laughs> what's the point of that i don't care yes yes um, so yeah, no, I, I understand so it was tough having that comparison with somebody that you're so different from even though right, you're right, supposed right, to right. be so similar because of your, your yeah and i think painting everyone more or less with the same brush and expecting mm -hmm. every the same things of everyone kind of robs people of, of their individuality you know like we can't all be stem people yeah like stem is awesome we need science, we need, you know, technology, engineering, math, all that beautiful stuff. But we also need artists. We also need politicians. We also need uh, sociologists. We need philosophers. Yes. Equally. Equally. Because, you know, what's the point? I, I know people who have, who've achieved so much in STEM and they're so aloof. They have no social skills. <laughs> and that is the thing that... that Cause them not to get into medical school. Yeah. They have no social skills. They cannot communicate. You know, they, they don't have any friends. They don't know how to interact with others. It's just, what is the point? Part of being fully human is the ability to live in community. Yeah. And if you lose that ability because all you are is STEM, what is the point? What are you really trying to achieve? So yeah. painting everyone with the same brushes can be, it can be dangerous. It robs people of their individuality. Yeah, no, and I think I'm going to appeal to parents, you know, listening to us to understand and, and kind of watch for what your child is interested in, what they are good at. And those are the areas that you need to foster, right? So if Kwame yeah. is really good at science, but Kwame yeah. does not know anything about politics, I'm not saying that you shouldn't expose Kwame to, you know, politics or government and understanding basic concepts. But what yeah. we should be fostering is what is Kwame good at and how right. we make sure that he maintains that level and builds on those, right? Because for me, I think what would have been really great is if I had somebody who, you know, told me that early on that I could make a career out of politics or I could make a career right. out of, you know, understanding history, yeah. you know, and, and basic analyzing history. Like if I understood that at an early age, there would have been so much things that I could have created when I was younger to better myself, right? And have that self-esteem that, you know, Kofi might be great at science and he's getting A's, but I can steer myself to these subjects that I'm interested in and also do well and get A's in those as well. That's very true. This is the point I wanted to make. It has nothing to do with anything, but uh, on our graduation day for my nursing program, uh, the smartest kid in the school, in our class, sorry, <laughs> didn't speak a word of English. I, I kid you not. <laughs> not a word. Not a word. She needed a translator app on her, on her phone. To translate the, our lectures. But summa cum laude. Smartest kid in the class. I never knew. She never spoke a word in class. She just listened. Brilliant. Mm. And I never knew. Most of us had no clue. Oh, but, but if they were Ghanaian, we would have been clowning them from... Oh, come when on. They kind of, oh, I want to brofo. Abon, abon. My name is... He can't even say it. He can't even say my name. Is, you, you come and talk about <laughs> <laughs> all right so to tie this all up let's let's talk about what expectations how expectations can impact individuals in terms of their mental health you know and, and their functioning yeah I, I think the big the big thing is you know self-esteem as you mentioned before and yeah um not being able to like you know actually reach your full potential and, and what i and a the theme that I, i'm seeing from our discussions is we're not 
able to take risk and be innovative because we have this baggage of you can't do this, you're not good at this, and we're focusing right. on the negatives instead of highlighting wow. you may not be you strong can. at this, but what can right. you do? Let's right. lift you up in that area, right? Because I know some people who are not that smart, but if they pick up, they hear a song, they can play it. They can, you know, put something to why are we not fostering though that? Because you know, historically what's been successful is, you know, the STEM classes. Mm. And the thing is, intelligence comes in so many different forms. Absolutely. There, there is a musical form of intelligence. Yeah. There's a poetic form of expression, intelligence. Mm. Um, there is athletic intelligence. Oh, yeah. LeBron James is one of the smartest people in the world. Nobody knows that. LeBron James can tell you play to play for five minutes what happens on the court. That is how intelligent he is. For, for that level of intelligence, that is genius. Oh, and that's no joke. He can tell you play by play. I, I went to high school with, with a guy who was not the brightest person in, in school. Like, I mean, struggled to even stay on the team, 50s, 60s. But you'd go on the court and he could tell you what the other team was about to run to do. based on what this person just did. And that's it right. would scare that's you incredible. at how intelligent they were about reading it and it's because they're yeah. connected and they're interested yes. in what that is right and i think those yeah. are the areas that we need to find and foster those because there are people that are making you know 10 million dollars a year being a coach yeah right yes. and we have so many athletically intelligent people in our community yeah that would do such amazing jobs coaching like i mean i've seen some 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 guys even out in toronto some of your friends that that you know when they had the you guys had the ganyan team coaching it and you could tell how they put the teams together the formations yeah. the things they, that they understand the game yeah what yes. are we doing to foster those people getting into you know you know other developments other ways and, and raising up and not looking at them as a failure because they're coaching or they're developing it's, it's a part it's a part of why we fail mm. you know because we don't we don't raise we don't foster we don't nurture mm. those skills it's just not a thing we do and so by the time we actually need a coach, um, we just take whatever we get or we take foreigners, right? Because we don't we don't start building it early. We don't nurture these skills. That's true. That's true. Because if you if you look at, you know, so a, a little bit off topic, if you look at some of the foreign leagues, especially in soccer, some of the greatest coaches have never played before. They're yeah. people who have been around it's the game. They analyze. Or they were mediocre players at best. Yeah, right. But, but in, in the Kenyan context, it's, if you can't play, then don't even talk about the, the sport. Right, don't even right, want to hear right, you. Right. And we don't foster people at an early age that are around it that may not be the best athletically, but understand right. and their minds understand the game. Foster that out of them. So I think, yeah, we, we, we got to do a better job fostering. Absolutely. See it young and nurture it. Absolutely. All right. So back to the phrase of the week. I think we wanted to talk about it. Yes. Uh, this week's phrase was... Mm. Which is to say, no one knows tomorrow. And that is, and, and if you if you look, and I tell people this all the time, and especially a lot of kids who ask me, oh, how did you get where you got to? Or like people will reach out to me on LinkedIn, be like, oh my God, you're doing so well. How did you get where you got to? And I'm like, if I showed you my grade six report card, right? Yeah. And you looked at that on, you would have said, this guy is not going. He's not going anywhere. It's <laughs> not going. This guy, I, I failed art. <laughs> wow right i got an f in art right and and not because <laughs> who can fail art it's your interpretation it's because i just didn't have the drive to do it right but yeah yeah it's, if it's you look at effort. those and you look at you know that in isolation you think that in the future this person can't amount to anything right but we don't know what's hidden in others until we start yeah. fostering what are the, what's their interests what do they like what actually makes them tick Right. And that's how we get the best out of everybody's. Right. So I'm, I'm going to challenge everybody to, you know, mentor somebody, find somebody who you see you, yourself in, um, yeah. who's not necessarily and especially depending on what field you're in, who's not necessarily the doctor and might right. be seen as going the embarrassment route. Right. Tap into them. Right. What makes them tip and how you can get the best out of them or help them get the best out of yeah. themselves. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Mine, my, my example with that is I, my brother, uh, Murphy, that's my younger brother. Mm. Uh, I talk about him a lot, but he, um, academically initially 
wasn't a guy you'd say, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, do this, do that. Mm. He basically taught himself because of his passion, because he knew he could go places. Mm. He had the gift of, of, of being able to be an athlete. He's a soccer player. But he had to teach himself how to pass the SATs. Mm. And, you know, he took a couple courses here and there, but really... He didn't know how smart he was until he had to teach himself to, to <laughs> study for and pass the SATs in a system he didn't know anything about. Because, you know, if you're in a U.S. school, you sort of know, you sort of get prepped for the SATs. He knew nothing about that. Not only was he able to pass the SATs, he went on to get a degree in marketing. Like, I was like, I was so proud. And, you know, marketing and business was apparently also another passion of his I never knew. Right. But starting off, he, you know, you wouldn't say he's, he was the strong, strongest academically. And if you had compared him to me, it's silly because, you know, we have different paths. We have different passions. Right. Yeah. So what is the easy comparison? It is. And it, it stifles other people's growth, because when you can constantly get compared to a mark that's not your own, you know, you always feel dejected because you'd never be able to meet it because it's not something that's tailored for you. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. So I think maybe we would have never known if looking back at Murphy, Murphy the athlete in high school, where, where he would have been today and yeah. be able to. So, yeah, so I think you never know where somebody's going. So I think we have to be mindful of when we meet somebody, what they're going through at that time right. and how we can right. help them through that journey, right? And, and and a big shout out to my dad to let him know that I'm still his smartest son. Um, <laughs> I, 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 have, I, have, I have agreed to prove it. There's yes. no debate. Degrees, and plural. The other, the others want to challenge me and further their education. I will, I will, I will claim this title and hold on to it very tight. Okay, so the things we learned about each other today. Uh, wow. Um, hmm. I never knew that you cut classes. Oh. Must say, I'm disappointed. Oh, oh Ghana, Ghana dad in me is very disappointed, <laughs> but I can tell you that I completely understand. I completely understand, yeah. you know, like being a kid, seven years old, you're like, you're so green. You only world, you know, you've been uprooted from and put into a whole different world, which is completely alien to you. So I, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I know. And being, and being African at that time was a negative connotation, right? right? So, if you were in ESL, then oh yeah, he's definitely African. Yeah, yeah. So so that was that was that was also part of it as well. One thing I didn't know about you was that you you I think that your parents comp- you were the one that people you know were being compared to, and it was annoying, right? I always looked at those people and I'm like and embarrassing. I always look at those people <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you they, their head must be big. They must be so proud of themselves. Look at this yeah, guy. It's a- it's embarrassing but yeah no but it's just look down like it's, it's 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 an interesting dynamic that even those that are you know at that high apex of you know academia and, and doing very well and quote-unquote successful um yeah are still having to deal with the impact of expectations and even expectations of from other people to them yeah so i think we have we often have to be mindful of that too that you know Kwame might be doing really well and Kwame might be getting A's and you think that you're flattering Kwame by comparing everybody to Kwame but you're only just alienating Kwame and making Kwame yeah. feel embarrassed. Making him feel out of place, yeah. You were out of and place. And putting further pressure on them to, to um, have to you know, maintain that level. It's not hard to achieve excellence. It's hard to maintain excellence. Oh, oh yeah. And I, I used to, and th- that's what I tell a lot of kids, you know, coming out of high school, going into university. Oh, I had nineties in high school. I had nine. Oh, I'm going to, that's, that's not, it's, it's not about where you are. It's about if right, you can maintain right. it when you get into there, right? Because yeah. you know, everybody, you know, when, when the heat intensifies, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top, right? Yes. I always say that yes. it, you're, you're either going to rise to the top or you're, you're not. So maintaining it is, is very key. Absolutely. Very true. Let's get some shout outs, huh? Um, well, first and foremost, of course, to our producer extraordinaire, Nancy Boa, J.H. Spielberg. Big shout out. Honorable Nancy. Great job. Um, yes. Keep, keep producing and always being a success. Yes, please. <laughs> best of the best she does everything um, and of course shout out to Kabra Mafia Kabra 
wherever you are, bro. We need you. To, we need you back. We need another album. Yes, from Qu- you. yes, Quabana. Big shout out, everybody. You can find Quabana's music still on uh, iTunes, Spotify, all the works. You can still Google him on YouTube, and yes. we are starting a bring Quabana Mafia back campaign. Bring man. Mafia back. Hashtag bring, mafia, bring mafia, back. mafia back. Let's mafia, go. Please, you owe us. You owe us <laughs> an, an, an album just for us. You know. Yes, just for the shout out. The shout out. You, you owe us an album. Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping that you can you, you can have Salome in in in, in on one right? track. On the feature. At least, at least one Let's track. go. At least Let's one go. Track. At least one track. <laughs> right? Four bars. <laughs> <laughs> then we can see if he's actually a success in other areas. <laughs> Listen, I'm a poet. Y'all don't understand, man. I'm a poet. Oh. <laughs> Poetry and rap are not that different. Funny thing is, I was actually voted most likely to be a rapper in high school, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Mostly, <laughs> one because of my my poetry skills, and then two because we did um, you know air guitar or lip syncing, whatever yeah. thing, and we did really well with the flip mode squad. So that was oh, uh, that was. <laughs> Oh man, I think we're way over time. Oh. But um, we gonna do this again. We will. So, so join us next time. So again. Until next time, guys. Bye bye.